Hello there. Thanks for tuning in to the Hooks Baseball Podcast. I am Michael Coffin. On the show this week, we'll speak to three members of the Astros player pool currently working out here at Whataburger Field in Corpus Christi. Catcher Colton Shaver, outfielder Jake Myers, and shortstop Jeremy Pena. We'll start with Mr. Pena, a recent addition here in the Sparkling City. Jeremy, the son of former big league infielder Aronimo Pena, is a a big-time prospect in the Astros system, last year earning organizational all-star honors from MILB.com. After hitting 303 with 72 runs scored, 21 doubles, 7 triples, 7 home runs, and 54 RBIs in 145 ballgames between low A and high A, Quad Cities and Fayetteville, Pena swiped 20 bags in 30 attempts while posting a 3.85 on-base average. With just two years of pro ball under his belt, Pena has earned all-star recognition in both the New York Penn League and the Midwest League. The 22-year-old was drafted by the Astros in the third round in 2018 out of the University of Maine. Here's a conversation with shortstop Jeremy Pena. What are your impressions so far of the ballpark here, of, of Whataburger Field? I mean, the stadium's great. The stadium's great. I can only imagine with the fans. But I know it's probably one of the best surfaces I've, I've played on so far. How about that? We'll have to tell Quince Landry, the, the heads, head groundskeeper. He'll be very pleased with that. Have you noticed anything particular about the ballpark? Obviously, the, a lot of humidity here carries well to left field. You didn't need any help, though, yesterday. <laughs> that, was a, that was a shot that you hit yesterday. Thank you. No, yeah, the first thing you notice, you know, I came from Rhode Island, so it was it was hot. You know, I got here, it was hot, I have mosquitoes, but the ball does fly to left, so we like that as righty hitters, but it's a great ballpark, you know. I don't really have anything negative to say about it. So far, it's been it's been great. It must be nice for you to get back to a ballpark and, and start to, to play baseball, get into your routine a little bit. How has that, how's that gone for you? Of course. I mean... I felt like I was getting ready for three months. You know, it was like every day getting ready, not knowing what was going to happen. So kind of you have, kind of have to be game ready uh, for three months. And then when you finally get the call, it's like, hey, come report to Corpus Christi and, you know, join the guys. It's, it's great. You know, now you're on the field. You're seeing live pitchers. Uh, you're getting live reads. You know, it's an actual game. So just – Grateful to be here. All the different stuff that you that you put in place to stay in shape, has that paid off for you? Do you feel like you're pretty close to being where you'd normally be when you're starting out? What What is a season? Of course. I did a lot of, uh, I think I did a lot of good work in the, during the shutdown. And then uh, I was in constant contact with the coaches, whether hitting coaches, field defense, co- defensive coaches, uh, the strength and conditioning coaches. So I was always, I was always on top of, on top of my game, kind of sending videos, and it was good. It was good. How much how, how much baseball activities could you do? Was it was it all just strength stuff, or were you able to get out there and actually play a little bit? Well, in the beginning of the shutdown, I was up in Maine for a month. At the university? I was at the University of Maine for a month, and we were hitting at a barn. It was a little bit chilly up there, but we were hitting at this barn, uh, one of my friend's houses, 
And that was pretty good. He had a machine, so we would hit off the machine, you know, catch picks off the machine, turn double plays off the machine. Uh, and then he had weights in his room, uh, so we'll go to his apartment and do what we could. But then when I came to Rhode Island, everything kind of started opening back up, and that's when I started lifting again. You know, I had a key to this really nice facility, so I'll go in by myself, get my workout in. Uh, they have cages, hit there. They have a big space, catch ground balls. So I had a pretty nice setup. You know, a lot of I know a lot of my teammates weren't so lucky. You know, they didn't have facilities like I did. So I was I was grateful for that. What was tougher was it was it the the physical side of of trying to stay ready, or was it just the mental side of not being able to do what you love to do? I think it was tougher mentally because we were already in season mode yeah. you know i was in, i was already in spring you were training in big league camp i was in big league camp i was already season mode i felt like i was already getting into uh season shape and then you get shut down and now you have to go back home and kind of treat it like an off season again and you know it's the first time this happens you know but there's a lot of great things that came with it you know i got to spend a lot of time with my family i haven't spent a summer home since maybe i was 17 years old it's crazy right so this is the first time I actually got to spend the summer with my family, and it was, it was a great time. What was the experience like for you in, in big league camp this year? You, you got some time in big league camp the, the season prior, but this was your first official invite. Were you starting to kind of get more comfortable in the clubhouse and talking to the guys? It was a great experience. You know, I was blessed and grateful to be there. You know, all those guys kind of took me in. You know, they told me the first day I got there, make yourself, you know, you're one, you're one of us, you know, and they all – kind of took me under their wing and gave me a lot of feedback, a lot of tips. Ledmis Diaz, Guriel, Correa, Bregman, you know, they all kind of sat me down and talked to me, gave me tips, and, you know, it's, it's good to see. Well, we were really excited to have you here in Corpus Christi this year. That was kind of the word on the street, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. Uh, I did get to watch a little bit in spring training, and obviously, you know, seeing you here on the diamond here at Whataburger Field last week or so, it's fun to watch you play. You're, you do a tremendous job there at shortstop. I wonder how much of this, how much of your mechanics have come naturally to you? How much of it have you had to work on? Is it a, a pretty good balance there in terms of, of the effort that you put into your defensive play? I mean, like I always say, like I was born into a baseball family. So baseball, I've been playing baseball for as long as I can remember. So most of this stuff, like people say it's natural talent, but there's a lot of work that goes sure. behind the scenes. You know, a lot of people don't see the work that we put in. And, yeah, you know, you, you have to, you have to uh, put the work in. You know, talent doesn't take you, take you far enough. You know, you need to build the skill. Organizational all-star between Quad Cities and Fayetteville and the Astros system. And a great combination of hitting for, for average, hitting for power as well. And you do a tremendous job of, of getting on base. When things are going right for you at the plate, what's happening there? What do you need to really key on? I mean, just being consistent. I feel like last year was the first year where I was consistent with all my routines. I was uh, coming to the field with the same energy every day, no matter what. Um, preparing for the game, coming in with a plan, sticking to the plan, uh, and taking every at-bat individually, you know, every pitch individually. Don't let the previous pitch affect your next, next pitch. So that was the biggest thing for me last year. And, uh, you know, a lot of good things and, and things to learn from from last season. So, A third-round pick of the Astros in 2018, as we mentioned, out of the University of Maine. 
how much of it is the grind of, of a full season in the minors, 140 games, that, that really that really wears on you when you know you're trying to work on a few things here and maybe you have a bad result one night going out the next night and trying to do something different. Have you had to really work on on that mental side of, of weathering a full campaign in professional baseball? That's not something you had to do obviously in high school or in college. Of course, it's tough. It's tough. Like I said, you have to build a routine. You know, you can't hit the peaks and hit the lows. You have to stay even keel. You have to stay balanced. So coming to the field every day with the mentality of learning something new, getting better, and playing the game to the best of your abilities. You know, just leave it all out there on the field and then recover and do it again the next day. You know, sometimes we lose track of the days. You know, I know probably all the other players can attest to this. Like, we don't, we don't know what day it is. Every day is it's the just same game day. day. Every yeah. day is game day. So just coming to the field ready to play every day, leave it out and repeat. Well, we've gotten to see a lot of the country last year in the Arizona Fall League. We mentioned what you did during the regular season in both the Midwest League and, and the Carolina Leagues. I saw that you also played in the Cape Cod League. Is that right? I did. What was that experience like? I hear nothing but great <laughs> things about it. The Cape Cod League was great, especially for me because I got to see great talent. You know, I got to go up against those guys, and it was, it was a great time competing with them, having them as teammates, picking each other's brains. And, yeah, most of these guys are playing pro ball now, yeah. too. And you see them around, you say, what's up? And it was, a, it was a great time. Did you notice the separation right away in terms of the, of the quality of play, the level of play when you got there? I mean, I saw the difference in the bullpen, you know, because in my conference, all the teams have really – they have good starters. But then the difference is in the bullpen, you know. What comes from these big schools, their bullpens are our starters. So that was the biggest difference, but at the end of the day, it was baseball, you know. It's the same game, just play the game hard and same rules, nothing changes. From Providence, Rhode Island, right? Hometown. Yes. And what, what made you choose the University of Maine? They showed interest in me early. They showed interest in me early. I remember they came to one of my high school games in my sophomore year, and then I took a visit, unofficial visit. I liked the school. Um, no, it felt right. You know, it felt right. It felt like it was a place where I was going to develop, and it worked out. You went to classical high school in, in Providence, Rhode Island. I read it's a very challenging academic school. What other sports did you play outside of baseball? My freshman year, I don't know why, but I ran cross country. <laughs> why, why do you say that? You don't know. Was it a bad call at the it end? Was, one of my friends, he told me, he was like, hey, he was a sophomore at the time I was a freshman. He was like, hey, man, let's stay in shape for baseball season. Let's run cross country. And I wasn't familiar with the sports. Like, I just knew baseball, basketball, football. And I thought it was track. So I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, let's go get faster for baseball season. And the first practice, we're running five miles. And I'm like, <laughs> what are this we is doing not what here? I had in mind. But, um, but then I, I dropped that after my freshman year, and then I got into track. So then I started sprinting, jumping, long jumping. And you want a state title? We do want a state title. How about that? Yes, sir. You're listed at six foot two oh two. Is that right? Is that about right? Six one. Six, six one. one two oh two. Has the strength and conditioning side always been a part of, of what you do as a person? When did you really want to hone in and, 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 and make your body as, as perform as optimally as it can? When did that come for you in your professional career, or even in high school or, or whatnot? I mean, I really started focusing on what I was putting into my body and how I was training my body my freshman year of college. That's when I first started lifting, 
why the light switch turn on? What made that happen? I mean, I was small. You know, I was a really skinny, skinny player, and all the dudes around me were really strong, and they were big and hit the ball hard, you know, and I wanted to do that. So I went to the training room, talked to the strength guy, our strength coach, and we kind of up, came up with a plan, and it worked out. You moved to, to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic when you were how old? Ten years old. Ten years old. Do you remember much about that time? What, what, what comes to your mind when you think about first coming over here to the U.S. from the Dominican I do. Republic? I do remember. Uh, I mean, it was tough when I first moved because we didn't speak the language. Right. No, none of my brothers. My dad did. My mom didn't. But school was tough. We didn't understand anything. It was hard to make friends. But most of my friends I made on the baseball field because, like I always say, baseball is a language we all speak and you just have fun with each other. And that's where I kind of, I always tell people I learned English on the baseball field more than I did in school. That's you know, cool. school you learn the proper uh, way to structure a sentence and proper words to use, but on the field you learn communication. You learn how to talk to your friends, have fun. And I, I think baseball is uh, what I give credit to. One of the big things that I want to work on personally is to learn Spanish. I'm just not, I'm not that smart man to have two different languages. And my son's three. I'm, I'm going to try to get him in Spanish right away. Do you have any advice for people who, who want to pick up that second language? I say the easiest way is to be fed to the fire. You <laughs> just know? to it's be just thrown in there, right? Thrown into a, you know, Spanish. Because that's what happened to me. When you get thrown into all, everyone speaking English, you don't have an option but to learn English. You know, so I always tell people just don't be afraid to speak it. You know, even if you're wrong, you know, let them correct you. And now you know the proper way to say it. And also just don't be afraid to speak it. Have fun with it. I always tell our uh, English speaking uh, teammates to you know, mess around, la laugh with the yeah. Latin players and just say words. You know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. One day you're, it's going to make sense. So just, just have fun. Clubhouses are really cool because you have folks from all different parts of the world in, in one place. How awesome is it for you to be able to, to bridge that gap? It's cool. My first year, I was kind of the translator when I played in short season. We'll be hitting you up, I think, a little bit, and too. That was, uh, that was a good time, you know. And, uh, but it, it's good to see that the American players make an effort to learn Spanish and the Latin players make an effort to learn English. So it's, it's good to see. Your dad, Aronimo, played uh, in the big leagues for seven years. Is that right? Seven years. Uh, mostly with the Cardinals. Now, his last year was the year before you were born. Have you seen much of him on film, on video? Does he regale you often with, with stories of the big leagues? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Every, uh, every time we're eating dinner, <laughs> stories on top of stories on top of stories. And he repeats them, too, and he forgets that. He told me the story a million times, and we just kind of sit there and just listen to him. And, but... It's like a performer, a stand-up comedian. You just go yeah. through your routine, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just same stories. But, no, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. It's good to have that uh, role model in your house, you know, someone that got to where you want to be. So he's always a phone call away. Whenever I have any questions, he's the first person I call, and he's always there for me. So you guys, do you all talk every day after games? Not every day. Yeah. Uh, he was the first person that told me to not call home every day. So he told us, hey, when you're on the road, some days you're not going to want to talk to us. Some days you're going to want to talk to us. So just feel free to call whenever. How awesome is that for you to have that as a resource to know that, that whatever you're going through, he has been there and, and he has done that? It's true. Like I said, it's, it's great to have him a phone call away because 
he has that player's mentality. So he knows what worked for him, what worked for some of his teammates. Uh, he knows what didn't work for him and what didn't work for some of his teammates. And we kind of just brainstorm and come up with ideas and, and talk. You know, I like talking to him. And we watch games and on TV, and we don't look at the games for the home runs and the flashy plays. We look at the games for the little things. And he would often, like, pause the game and ask me, like, why did he make that play or why didn't he make the play or what was he thinking? Why did it go wrong? Why did it go right? It's moments like that that you learn the game, just sitting on the couch, you know, having fun, watching That's baseball. That's awesome. That's awesome. Before we let you go, I noticed uh, Dan Reiner, our social media guy, came up and he, he gave you a, a, a Whataburger cap that you're going to be wearing tomorrow at some time. I'm surprised a, a guy from Rhode Island, you know, wearing a Whataburger cap, that must mean that you've tried it. I tried Whataburger the first time, the first day I got here to Corpus. The first day? First day. I was looking through uh, Uber Eats. Yeah. And I saw Whataburger was the first thing that pops up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it out. And I had to get the Whataburger. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. You got to try uh, some of their specialty stuff. It's really good. They, they have a, a patty melt that's, that's uh, tremendous. And also, you, do you like chicken strips? I love chicken strips. You need to try the Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich. And then I want you to talk to me the, <laughs> the next day and let me know what you think. I'm going to have to check that out. All right. Astros shortstop Jeremy Pena. Jeremy, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Let's go behind the plate now with Colton Shaver. Last year, 2019, the BYU product notched 28 doubles, 21 home runs, and 72 RBIs between the Texas League and the Carolina League, playing for Corpus Christi and Fayetteville. And, in fact, after the All-Star break, he paced the Texas League with 13 home runs, all the while debuting behind the plate as a pro as he caught 29 ball games also appearing at third base and at first base, primarily a third baseman last season. And now on the Hooks Baseball Podcast, here is Colton Shaver. How do I introduce you? Do I say Astros catcher. third baseman, Astros first? Ast- catcher. 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 Primary. How about that? Love it. Love it? Love it. What's, uh, what's been the biggest challenge for you here at the alternate training site, beyond just catching, just the whole big picture? What's been, what's been the experience been like for you? Well, the experience has been awesome. This has been something that's completely new in baseball. We've never had something set up like this, and we're trying to figure it out as it goes. And in itself, I feel like the challenge of trying to figure out as we go day by day is beneficial for the long run because in baseball, it's not like any other sport. You're going to have a lot of things thrown at you that you're not particularly fond of or even just something that throws you off your routine. you got to be able to adjust. Not having games has been hard, but we're doing the best we can. Um, it's good seeing our pitchers. Uh, we have the best pitching staff in the minor leagues past couple years, so it, we get to face some of our best arms, which has always been, which is always nice. Who has stood out to you the most in terms of, of the pitchers from the guys that, that you've caught here the last couple months, couple plus? Uh, Catching-wise, I really enjoy catching Luis Garcia. Uh, the dude's nasty. Made a lot of big strides, especially trying to fill up the strike zone with his off-speed and his fastball. Everything's just deadly on him. Same with um, our new acquirer with Chase DeYoung, that dude's really good, yeah. and he's competitive. That's his biggest factor. And I know with Chase, even if it's a day where, like, out here in Corpus, it's so hot and humid and wet, everything's wet, that pitchers, like, they don't have their best stuff. But with Chase, he's able to go in and really compete to make his best outing that he – like, 100% of what he has that day. 
he it, shows well that way. How do, how do you think he gained that mentality? What kind of separates him from, from his approach? Just, just just the experience? He's a veteran guy. He's, he's, he's a veteran guy. Time. He's had big league time. He knows what to do. He knows how to get himself ready. Um, at the same time, I, in a way, it's just I think it comes by the player. People, There's certain people that have that mentality of that bulldog on the mound. There's other guys where it might not be their game. Their game is more they need to have a feel for what's going on. They need to have a feel for how their pitches are coming out. And both are fine. It's just based on the player. Chase is definitely the bulldog mentality. He wants to get up there and he wants to shove that ball down your throat and do it over and over and over, which I really enjoy catching and hitting off guys like that. We've seen in the system, you know, the previous years here with the Astros, and we've seen a little bit at the big league level as well this season with guys sometimes struggling with command and attacking the strike zone. When you see that as a catcher, what are some of the things that you can do to help those pitchers through those struggles? Same with like that whole mentality, like every pitcher is different and that's where it's our job. See, I don't know if it's our, I'm still new right? Yeah. pro ball. For me, I base the feeling that it's my job to understand what their misses in the bullpen, what their misses in the game. And I try to set myself up to become the best target or the best reference for them to throw that pitch. So I try to help out the only way I can behind the plate. Um, setting up my target so they can see where I want them to start it um, or even just give them different viewpoints of each zone so that maybe something will something will happen where maybe they throw it better and if that's the case I try to repeat it. Can you give us an idea of the workload that, that you guys the catchers here at this alternate training site have had to endure you know I, right now it's, it's kind of light there's about 10 pitchers but when we started this thing there were 17 18 guys out here that were throwing every single day what is that what is that demand like on you guys physically it's hard it's tough especially when we had that stretch where papirski was on the taxi squad and it was just me and richie here we had to catch the bullpens we had to catch the games um it was we had to get the guys ready during the games to come in and it's taxing on the legs on top of that we're trying to get all of our other you know our strength and conditioning we're trying to get our our batting like going to the cage and hitting so we're trying to get all that um, up to speed and we're up to speed but we're trying to get better this is still development and we're trying to be we're trying to develop at the same time be ready for when we need to go to Houston if we need to and it's it's difficult to challenge but I think it was a challenge I accepted because I thought it would in a way it was so miserable it was going to be fun <laughs> but it wasn't miserable you got to embrace it right you got to embrace it you got to dive all in a big like a big term we always used in college is you got to embrace the suck yeah. and that's what makes it fun because sure. it's not it, this is baseball this is amazing to be out here and play this every day and there's times where you're going to wake up and you're going to be hurting especially as a catcher like I'm I wake up some days and I'm like ooh today's not a good day and I know I have three to four bullpens and a four inning live scrimmage where my legs got to learn how to wake up real quick so <laughs> it, it's fun I enjoy I accept that but that's just more my mentality. That's the football in me where sure. I like – I like, That's the linebacker in you. Yeah, I like, I like to go push my limits. Right. Um, you mentioned the – you know, how, how difficult it is to be a catcher and, and to spend that time on your hitting as well because there's just not enough time in the day when you go out there and you have to, to catch all these pitchers. And at the same time, you want to focus on your skill sets when it comes to what you do at the plate. How do you make up for that lost time? What are some of the things that, that you're doing on the hitting side that has been able you to continue to develop, continue to grow, uh, despite all the hours that you're putting in behind the plate? So what I noticed with that is when I was playing third base and third and first majority, um, well, before I even started catching in pro ball, 
I had all the time in the world to go to the cage and hit and really work that out and sit there and grind out the kinks that I don't like. And I had to readjust that with being a catcher. I had to adjust to, I got to go with more of a focused, meaningful mentality where I'm taking shorter rounds, less swings, but each round or each swing means a little bit more in the fact that I'm trying to feel something a little bit faster, a little bit different. So instead of just trying to repeat the swing over and over like I do when I play the infield, I got to get my feeling, repeat it once or twice and get out. And it's different. It's a different routine, but I like it. Like I feel fresher. I feel more energetic throughout the day. I'm not as tired, especially here in Corpus. It's, it's really hard to do high volume stuff here with how wet and humid it is. It I mean, wears you down. Can, can you speak to some of the guys that maybe haven't had that experience here and they, they, get, they get familiar with it pretty quickly, the heat, the humidity, and the challenge it is? I don't think folks really understand uh, how much it you know, zaps your energy when you're out here every day. And that's, that's the hard thing. Like, you know, folks around here, fans, they see us on TV. They'll see us at the game. They see us for that short three and a half hours, but they don't see everything that we do beforehand. And only players that have been there really understand it. And in a way, for me, like, if people were giving me advice with how tough Corpus is, now the fan base and everything makes it so much better. Corpus is awesome. This is one of my favorite places. But the humidity and the heat really takes it out of you. And players try to warn you, guys, previous guys try to warn you. In a way, though, it's, a, it's just something you got to, like, recognize it, but you're not going to understand it until you're here. And I thought personally it made me a better player for appreciating just the work that I put in and appreciating that, hey, I don't need to do so much throughout the day. I can do be the same. I can still get better. I can still develop. And I can also stay consistent doing my short reps, doing my short time slots and understanding how, you know, I'm not just, in, I'm not 18 years old anymore. Right. I'm going to be tired. Right. My bo- I'm getting old. I'm not getting old in the general <laughs> term of it, but I'm feeling like I'm getting old. Yeah, catches up. It catches up. So you got, I got to learn how to maximize my energy and how I want to put it out so I'm ready to go take those live at-bats and when the lights turn on, being ready to go. Before we turn the mics on, you guys were out there doing a, uh, some throwing drills behind the plate. What are, what are the mechanics that, that you're working on when it comes to, to neutralizing that running game? There's a lot of different things. Um, it's a different arm slot than third base. I got to get on top of the ball more. Um, fortunate for me, I have like I have a strong arm, so that makes up for a lot of things. Still, these runners are good. They don't steal on the catcher anymore. They steal on the pitch. They steal on the situation. They steal on the time that the pitcher takes to go to home, and they steal on the catcher. So I got to maximize myself, but at the same time, I got to understand, hey, this might be a stealing count. There's a fast guy on first. Or, hey, this guy's not very fast, but he does run and he, because he's a smart base runner. So a lot of that, like today, today was only a small percentage of just throwing to bases and getting that routine, getting that repeatable arm slot and repeatable mechanics. But there's a lot more to it that I'm still learning through. You mentioned that you started to catch professionally last year. How, how did that conversation go with the Astros when, when they said, we want you to work behind the plate? So it started off in spring training, uh, not this last one, but the one before in 19. And I went up, I talked to Pete. I talked to him in the offseason a little bit. And we were just kind of having Pete a conversation. Pete Patella, Astros assistant Patella. GM. Yeah. We were having a conversation about just, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but like catching was my primary position all the way through college. I just never caught in college. I was IDH'd. And Pete was, he was intrigued by it. I had a good offensive year the year before and we were kind of curious on it and 
me personally, that's just I enjoy third base, I enjoy first base, but catching's more my love. Like that's that's my position that I I dream about it at night. How about that? About that because I'm just like I love catching. Yeah, you're always locked into the game. It's not for everyone. You got to have a certain mentality to catch, and people will admit that. Like catching's tough. You got to wear you got to wear it, and you got to you're going to be bruised up. You're going to be sore. And in a way, that's, has that, that's has what that, I appreciate. Has that linebacker mentality helped you in that position a little I bit? I haven't played football in a while. Like, I, maybe. Maybe it's just a certain breed are. of people yeah. that when they're back there, you know, they're, they're going to wear 99 off the shoulder if a pitcher accidentally spikes it. Or you're going to get crossed up and you're going to wear, a, like, Anoli throws an 85-plus mile-power slider. And you might wear that in the, in the lake. And it doesn't feel very good. Gosh. And people see when batters get hit, and those guys are getting hit every so often. We're getting hit multiple times a day. And the gear only helps so far. So, like, it, you get bruised and you get banged up. But in a way, it's kind of like a, it's kind of the excitement to it. Right. You get to wake up and like, oh, I'm a little sore today. Yeah. That's like, you know, when, when somebody's wearing a bulletproof vest and, and they get shot. Oh, at least you had the bulletproof vest on. Yeah, yeah. it felt like you got hit by a I train, I still broke though. my rib, though. Exactly. From catching in college a little bit, as you mentioned, although primarily a DH from, from your from your tenure in high school with the work behind the plate, what's been the biggest thing that you've had to learn in terms of being a catcher in pro ball? Is it is it the uh, the pitch calling? Is it is it some of the framing stuff? What what has been your emphasis since you've been there behind the plate this last last couple of years? So we've been working a lot on pitch framing. Um, pitch framing like that only goes so far. Umpires are pretty good; they know their zone, but you can like you can still make it look a little bit better. And last year, I feel like I. Like, no matter what, I can always get better at it. Stassi was proven to that. Stassi was good. He kept working on it, became the best. And I thought I did all right back there, just jumping a back there. A lot of it, though, framing. has to do with the pitchers, too, Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. the pitchers. And that comes with getting to know your pitchers. Because, like I said earlier in the segment, in the bullpen, that's where I understand, hey, your slider's missing a little high. Maybe I need to give you a lower target for you to see, like a reference. Or say it's missing a lot outside well i'm going to start off just a little bit further towards your arm side and maybe we can get that to land for more strikes and that just gets to having that relationship talking to them um but there's also a lot of other minor tweaks to receiving like there's little cues that you got to do and everyone's different everyone receives a different way and i feel like i've done a good job with that pitch calling same thing you got to get to know your pitcher you got to know what their best is because there's a lot of times where you know, sometimes the pitcher's best pitch is also the hitter's strength. And with, like, say, guys like Verlander. Verlander, you throw his best at everyone. They're his best versus the hitter's best. Verlander's best is going to win. But with these younger guys, sometimes their best is not not the right pitch. Majority of the time it is. Majority of the time that are best. necessarily match up. Though. Right. So, like, let's see, last year, Greg Dykeman with uh, Midland. He hits the ball unbelievably well, and he hits fastballs really, really well. Struggles a little bit on some other off-speed pitches. Now, we had some guys where their off-speed pitches also weren't their strengths. But me back there thinking, well, if we throw a fastball here, that ball is going to go 600 feet. Even if the guy executes. Even if the guy throws 110 right. miles per hour, that ball is going to go a long way. So I'm gonna, I, like, I want my pitcher to know I have faith in his in his ability, and we're going to throw that off-speed pitch that might not be his best. If it works out, it works out. If not, well, we're going to have to re- readjust right. from there. <laughs> but that's the fun with baseball. Sure. Well, let's talk about hitting. Uh, 49 extra base hits last year. 
Uh, you led an extra base hits in the, in the Carolina League at the time of your promotion, and then uh, after the All-Star break here in the Texas League, you belted 13 home runs, which also paced the circuit. When you look at your performance last year offensively, what are some of the things that, that you're looking to, to build upon, and what were some of the big adjustments that you were trying to, to make here at the alternate site in 2020? So last year, last year was a good year. Uh, Fayetteville, great place to play. Um, it was a bigger park, though. And one thing I noticed is in Fayetteville, it's a little bit harder to hit the ball out to left field there. Not not as much. Not as much here. Yeah. Not as much here. Or some of the other team or some of the other fields here in the Texas League. Sure. And I in Fayetteville, it was just kind of like I had to go against my approach in a way. I had to readjust myself down there, which was good. I was able to hit the ball for extra base hits. I hit the ball well. Had a high average, but it wasn't what I was really looking for. And I was hitting a lot of low line drives. I was hitting the ball hard, a lot of doubles. But I want to hit. I want to get the ball over the fence a few times as well. And that's what I focused on here. Was I just wanted to get a little bit more air underneath it, and it paid off. And just adding a little bit more air, like sure, I'm going to get out sometimes, maybe a little bit more often than I would like. But I'm also going to make pitchers pay a little bit more often than they would like. And in a way, there's a give and take to it where I want that ball in the air. And also, that's what I'm working on here, where it's like I'm making that adjustment where it's like, okay, I might not be getting the ball in the air, but I can still hit those doubles, hit those line drives, and not have everything be a fly out. And that's kind of the adjustment, just being an all-around hitter out here. How has the schedule here benefited you in terms of being able to work on those specific things with hitting? It's been good. It's been good. I get my early work. Our hitting coaches have been awesome. Um, if we have to, they take some time out of their, do, their day, too, when we're done and get the catchers in the cage afterwards. Uh, we've, made, we've made a lot of uh, big strides because our pitchers here are big league ready. Like we're facing big league pitchers here at the alternate site, and our guys are good, and we're facing them. So it, we have to step up to the challenge as well, and it's been awesome that way. We mentioned your time in college, uh, a 304 batting average and 946 OPS in three years at BYU. At uh, Jordan High School in Sandy, Utah, uh, you earned the, the moniker of uh, Mr. Baseball. Mm -hmm. in Utah. That's a pretty cool title. Yeah, did awesome. you have it on your license plate or anything like that? No, no. <laughs> no it's, it's a great Mr. title. Baseball great the accomplishment. State. Yeah. Um, but it's something where, you know, you got to work hard for sure. it. But once it happens, like that's just a high school thing. Right. There's other things I'm, I'm striving for. So it, it was cool in the moment. I appreciate it. I appreciate the state of Utah for it. But it's that right now I'm letting my parents enjoy that. <laughs> A four-year starter at linebacker uh, at Jordan High School, and you won back-to-back five -back A-state titles. Uh, you and your teammates at Jordan in both football and baseball. What was that experience like to get those two state titles in, in football and baseball? It was awesome. Um, we worked really hard. It was. We were fortunate that our football coach. He was. It was like a collegiate program. He ran it like a collegiate program. We played really well. One year we were top in the nation. Played great. Uh, he's now doing big things at a different high school in Utah, and they're top 10 in the nation every year in high school football. So it's it's cool watching them. Great guy. And baseball, it was the same thing. It was we grew up. I grew up with my travel ball team, and all of us we made it packed early on. We're going to go to the same high school. How about that? A bunch of people in the state weren't too happy about it. <laughs> but Jordan High School was pretty happy yeah, about it. They were happy, and we we decided to go to Jordan. Um, it was kind of in the middle of all of us because we all lived pretty far apart, but we decided to make an equal amount drive to one high school. So we decided on Jordan, yeah. and it was the best place. I'll, I never regret that decision. Are you still in contact with a lot of those guys? Oh, all the time. I talk to them a lot. 
I, I'm, I'm curious because I'm, you know, I'm a football fan, and obviously the the weather here all you know doesn't exactly exude football weather. Mm -hmm. But even today when it, it does, yeah, today it's nice. But even when it's like 75 or something like that, and it's a little crisp. I walk outside and I'm like, man, it'd be it'd be fun to watch a football game today. Mm -hmm. Are you? Do you ever walk outside thinking, man, I want to hit somebody? <laughs> no, I, th I think I'm past that mentality. <laughs> oh. Well, unless it's Myers, right? <laughs> Jake Myers. He deserves it sometimes. He deserves it, huh? Yeah, Jake Myers deserves it. Maybe Jake Adams, too. <laughs> but other than that, I just love watching the games now. It was kind of a sad day when my brother, he had his final senior game, and oh, I man. missed it. I was out here playing. Yeah. Um, actually, I was in – no, I was out here playing. And that, that was sad. I watched it on TV. He played great. Great football player as well. Could have gone and played college. What's your brother's name? Jacob. Jacob. He decided to go play baseball at Arizona, University of Arizona. Okay. Um, could have played football. Hell, one crazy, crazy athlete. So, More of I'm, an athlete than you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was it, was it uh, borderline? Did you, did you know you wanted to play baseball professionally? Did, did football enter into the equation at all? It did. Uh, it was a hard decision for me. I, I loved both. Um, I decided to stick with baseball. Felt like it was better long term. Um, baseball's always been my passion, so was football. But, you know, baseball just – I kept leaning that way. Well, I kept leaning towards baseball. And I had, I had options for football, but I'm happy with my decision. Well, the Astros certainly better for it. Astros catcher Colton Shaver. Colton, thank you very much for the time. Thank you. The closer this week is an outfielder, Jake Myers. Mr. Myers was a two-way star at the University of Nebraska with the Astros drafting him in the 13th round in 2017. The 2019 Carolina League midseason All-Star led that advanced day circuit with 28 doubles, helping to earn him an early August promotion to the AA Hooks. A little context for the beginning of our conversation, we started recording after an inter-squad game that featured hard-throwing right-hander Sean Dubin on the mound. Here's Jake Myers on the Hooks Baseball Podcast. Dubin's pretty nasty, right? I got the chance to play with him at the end of last year, and <laughs> there aren't very many people who, who hit off of him. And I just faced him for the first time, and he's got some really good stuff, especially when he executes his pitches. I talked to some of the coaches who are here and asked them about guys who are really making positive strides. Uh, you're one of the first guys they bring up, and they've just complimented you on the way that you've been able to, you know, take this opportunity and kind of run with it. What was your mindset coming into to spring training 2.0 and then and then to the alternate training site? How are you going to make sure that you could maximize this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, in such a crazy year um, for everybody, um, it it really came down to the mindset and and how you really wanted to approach, you know, whatever you're doing. And for me. I, I knew I needed to make strides, um, especially hitting. I knew I wanted to get better. I wanted to get better in every area of my game, but, but for hitting, uh, I knew I needed to really focus on that. Um, and just kind of going into you know spring 2.0 or summer summer camp, whatever you call it. Uh, I ramp knew, up, whatever. Yeah, ramp up, whatever you ramp up. I knew, I knew it was an incredible opportunity, and I was super psyched to, to be a part of the 60-man roster. And, um, I knew I'd get a lot better um, being down here with the coaches and the pitching just naturally. And so kind of just keeping a good attitude and, and bring effort every day, you know, it all kind of take care of itself. 
What, what is it about the schedule that allows you to kind of fine tune those skills that, that might not be the case during the regular season? You know, how are these situations different for you in terms of being able to spend more time on, on what you're doing and not have that 7 p.m. game kind of looming every single night? I think, I think you can, can set your, like really, really set your attention um, to the practice. Have really, really good practice. Not saying you can't do that during the year, but during the year you're, you're pretty focused on the game and you want, you want to save a lot of, of what you have for the game. Um, it's just you can kind of get better quicker in these instances. And, and I think we, they, uh, the Astros have done a fantastic job of, of setting us up for success and, and getting better. What's your reaction to the results that you're seeing from you personally in terms of your hitting this, this, this uh, I guess, season, for lack of a better word? What, what are the results that, that you're seeing? Because it's tough for us as fans because, you know, the inter-squad games are closed off to the public. We really can't kind of track what you guys are doing day in and day out. What are you seeing from the batter's box for you personally? Yeah, I mean, just, just keep doing the same thing I've been doing every day, my routine, um, and just keep learning, learning who I am as a, as a person, as a player. And I think that's that's started to show on the baseball field now. We all know how baseball is. It, it finds a way to, to humble you or, or even it out. But just what I've learned through this whole process is just to, you know, bring a good attitude and, and set your attention where it needs to be every day and, and good things have happened. Well, it's a tremendous honor to be a part of this player pool. As you mentioned, the, the top 60 guys, you know, for the Astros in terms of going out and trying to, to win a World Series this year. But a lot, of, a lot of your teammates, a lot of your buddies in the system didn't get that opportunity this year of coming to the player pool. Mm-hmm. When you talk with some of these guys, how has it been for them during this time? And, and how are they trying to stay in best possible shape as they can for when spring training 2021 rolls around? Yeah, I think it's been, I think it's been tough for everybody. Um, I know they want to be here. Uh, and the guys I've talked to um, have said they've wanted to be here. But, you know, I think... I think we have a lot of great players in this organization, even if they're not here. And they're, they're getting better. Um, they're finding ways to get better because that's just who they are. And, and I attribute the Astros to getting guys like that. And it's all the way through the system. Every guy you play with wants to get better and is getting better. Um, they, and they give the tools to do that. And so it comes down to, you know, if you want to use those tools or not. And, like I said, the guys who aren't here are getting better. I know it. So it's, it's, fun, to, it's fun to talk to them and see how they're doing. Well, the baseball season always uh, brings a tremendous uh, commitment for the players. And, and this season, especially so for you guys, because of all the restrictions in terms of how you can move around town, where you can go and whatnot. Take us through your schedule and how, that, how you've been able to, to get through that. Yeah, really, really it's the same thing every day. Um, with a little bit of, of variance in, in the schedule of the actual skills and stuff. But generally, it's the same thing every day. You're, you're waking up, you know, whenever you wake up, you're, going, you're getting to the field around 9.30, 9.45. You have to get there at 9.45. You're not allowed to come any earlier. Uh, and once you get here, you know, you are, you're, you're starting to do baseball stuff, getting ready. Uh, and then we usually scrimmage 1 o'clock. And then after the scrimmage, you eat lunch, and you go directly back to your room. And you're not you're not necessarily allowed to, you know, I shouldn't say you're not allowed. You shouldn't go out in the public. Um, that's not safe for you or or anybody else on your team. And and I think that's what has kept 
us this whole thing going. Everyone throughout baseball is doing that, um, and it's you know it's necessary. Lends itself to a lot of downtime in the hotel. That's yeah. got to be tough just to kind of to keep it fresh and to, to not yeah. go crazy in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I I keep saying it. That's that's the toughest part about this whole thing. Um, <laughs> You know, you want to go out and, and talk to people and, and have fun, but you, you have to kind of wind down and, and you're really caught in the room by yourself and your own thoughts. But you just got to, that's, that's where a lot of, of, of us guys have reached out to our, you know, family, friends, um, to, to you know, talk to other people, even if it's through Zoom or, or FaceTime, you know, and, and we've, we've actually leaned on each other a lot and, because, you know, we're all going through the same experience. So it's, it's been good. Well, at least we got football back. We can watch yes. some football, right? Yeah, are, you big, are you a big football fan? Do you enjoy I am. watching? Yeah. I am. I'm, I'm all intertwined in the fantasy football, um, and I'm all excited about it. So I'm, gonna, I'm keeping you from these games right it's now. Okay. I, it's okay. I feel terrible. No, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them later tonight. I'll have something to do in my hotel room now. Do, do you have a favorite NFL team? I know your favorite college team. Do you have a favorite NFL team? I, not really. No, I don't really have a favorite team. Yeah. So... Did you play football in, in high school? I, I have a three-day football career. Yeah? Yeah, I, I started football in eighth grade, and I broke my arm on the third day. That's not good. Uh, I, called it, I called it quits after that. Did you play basketball? I did. Yeah. I did. I played basketball. And obviously you played baseball at Omaha Westside, two state titles, back-to-back years, 2013, 2014. What was that experience like? Oh, man, it was awesome. Uh, one, of the, one of the most fun experiences – uh, with a team because it was, it was fairly the same team you know a little bit different between the two years but fairly the same team and just a super competitive a lot of fun in high school how it should be learning just a fantastic experience and we ended up, actually ended up going to the Legion World Series after my second year and, and it was just a fun, fun experience throughout the whole thing and you know I, I'll always, always remember it you're considered one of the top high school kids in the state in Nebraska. Was there any question of whether or not you were going to go to the University of Nebraska? I guess I guess not, considering your your family's background, right? Yeah, I, I grew up. My dad still makes fun of me. I'm I'm a diehard Husker fan. One of the biggest Husker fans there is. There was no there was no question. And what's really cool is I believe obviously your coach there was was Darren Erstad. Yep. And didn't your dad coach Darren Erstad as well? He did. He was a he was assistant. Uh, he was assistant coach on the team. Uh, actually, kind of. I believe he recruited him. And, and how about and, that? That's a cool experience. Yeah, right? yeah. So I I actually went and watched uh, Erstad play at Wrigley Field, and I'll, I still remember it. I was wow. super young, but I, my dad explained to me. I I actually got to go meet him, and so it was it was more than. For me, it was even more than Nebraska once Ursad stepped into the, the coaching role. It was just like a, a perfect situation right. for me. And I, I couldn't ask for anything more from him. And I learned an outrageous amount from him. And he's just an awesome person. Jake's dad, Paul, first team All-American outfielder in 1986 for the Cornhuskers and, and played professional baseball as well. I believe he got to AAA with the Giants. When he talks to you about the, the grind of professional baseball, your dad, what are some of the messages there, and, and how often do you guys communicate about the game and about kind of what you're going through on a, on a daily basis? I communicate with him every day, um, just about different things. He's, he's been through a lot of the stuff that I'm going through, have gone through, or am going to go through. And 
he he did an unbelievable job of getting me ready for this kind of lifestyle because it's a lot different than you think it it will be. Um, people talk about it, but you really have to experience uh, going to you know places you never thought you'd be. <laughs> Um, and it's all part of it. I mean, it, Midland, it's either, Texas being one of those places. You yeah, never thought you'd, yeah, you'd, maybe I'm, I'm thinking more of the, the lower level places. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you can either, you can either kind of sulk about it and have it affect your, your whole process of getting better, or you can kind of embrace it and, and figure out a way to, to learn something from it. And he did a really, really good job of, of kind of keeping me focused on, on the process. When you were a kid growing up, did, did you know that you wanted to play baseball? Was it, was it that apparent? I actually loved football. I loved, I loved football. So it broke your heart. when It broke my heart. <laughs> I wanted to play football so bad. I was always the smaller kid out of the group. Um, I didn't grow until my sophomore year of high school. Actually, like, growing. And I was just always a late bloomer, so it just wasn't a fit for me. Let's talk about your pitching days. I know you're going to give me a wry smile when we bring that <laughs> up, but, but Jake was one of the, uh, the top two-way players in the nation and uh, pitching for Nebraska and obviously starring in an out, as an outfielder as well. You, you throw left-handed and you, you bat right-handed. So how did that come into being, you being a left-handed pitcher? Yeah, so my dad actually was hit right-handed and threw left-handed, um, and he's a firm believer in, in kind of naturally – you, you do what you want to do. He, doesn't, he, he didn't want to force me to, do, to hit one way or throw one way, and that's just kind of how it happened. I picked up a ball with my left hand and threw it, how about that? and I picked up a bat and hit, hit right-handed. And he would always tell me, uh, you know, if you, if you can hit, you can hit from any side of the plate. And I, I truly believe that. So it was just always something, it was just natural to me. Um, I pitched all growing up, and I hit as well. I, I didn't know any. I didn't even realize. I didn't realize until college that other that that didn't really happen very much. You know, in high school, a lot of a lot of people right. do. And uh, I got a special opportunity at Nebraska to do that, um, and I absolutely loved it. It's a it's a it's a different type of competitiveness on on the mound. Each pitch versus every batter, you're in control of the game, and I and I loved that aspect of it, but to kind of focus on one aspect of the game and really really master your craft in the outfield and hitting is, is what I truly love and am enjoyed enjoying doing. Do you think that, that your your extended experience as a pitcher, you know, a lot of the a lot of kids will will stop pitching in high school because they, they go and be a position player in college. Do you think competing at that high level in the Big Ten on the mound has helped you out as a hitter in terms of, okay, I have an idea of what this guy's thinking maybe or what this guy's going through on the mound right now? Yeah, I think, I think my, uh, my pitching days helped me understand how hard it is to pitch, how hard it is for the other guy. Because I hear a lot, I mean, you hear in the clubhouse a lot, for, hitters forget that the pitcher makes mistakes too and isn't, and isn't perfect. And pitchers think hitters are, are perfect and will hit everything they make mistakes. And so I think that kind of perspective was really good for me to understand that it is hard for that guy too. And, and he's going to win sometimes and I'm going to win sometimes. You got a taste of double A last year after uh, earning all-star honors in the Carolina league. And this has been a, a big time experience for you 
getting to work with, with some of the guys from the different levels in the organization. What has that experience been like for you, getting to, to, to talk with some of the guys that, that have been you know, AAA veterans and, and even guys that have been in the big leagues? Oh, it's been invaluable. Um, I think my perspective and what I've learned this year has helped me so much. Um, and, I, and I would even attribute to you know, some of my success here that I got the opportunity to talk to guys like Michael Brantley you know, Springer, yeah. uh, when I was up there for a game. And, and even more to the type of people they are, that they'll spend their time talking to me and, and sharing knowledge with me. And that was huge for me, and, and I just got to learn a lot of, of things from them. But even more so, talking to some of the older guys here, have it's been an awesome experience. Um, they're fantastic guys, and have a lot of knowledge about the game, have been through it, experienced a lot, and it's just been a lot of fun to, to get close with them and, and talk to them. We had a seasoned member virtual event, and, and Jake was kind enough to be a part of it uh, last week, <laughs> and a cool story came out of that that I learned the first time that, that you met Alex Degote at Spring yep. Training. Do you mind oh, telling absolutely. that story Absolutely. So, How did you meet Alex Degote? So... <laughs> The Astros do a, a great job of sending young guys over to the big league side for spring training. And this was the first time I got to go over there and experience it and be in the dugout. And I'm sitting on the end of the bench and Alex Degote comes over and, and is talking to me, you know, messing with me, stuff in the dugout. And he goes, he goes, all right. Now, was this, go. was this one of the first times you've met him? or first, The first time I've ever met him. So you don't know this guy? I have from... no clue. The first time he's ever met me. How about that? It's the first interaction between us. Right. And he goes over to, to Hinch, and he says, hey, we have, we have Jake Myers over from the minor league side. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he wants to get into the game. <laughs> and I'm looking down and looking at them, and they both look over at me, and Hinch, Hinch nods his head and goes, we'll get him in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just laughing. I mean, everybody's laughing at that point. And I get into the game, I'm pretty sure. And I, I don't know if it was pinch right? running yeah. or got, a, got an at-bat. I don't remember. But it was just an awesome experience. And then full circle, get to meet him here and, and, and you know, learn who he is as a person. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's a fun story. That's, that's a great story. Yeah. And I don't think people realize you, you feel like you're, you're walking off a ledge when you're a minor league call up in spring training and you go out there on the big field, mm -hmm. you know, and the big stadium with, with the crowd of four or 5,000 people there with all the big leaguers. That's a, that, that's a, that's a big step, mm -hmm. right? In your process. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you go from having watched that setting on TV and then to being in the set, the situation. And it takes a couple of, of those situations to really, you know, settle down. And I wouldn't say I'm settled down by any means, by any means, but to kind of settle the nerves. But you to, feel like there's a progress there, right? Like yes. You, right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's you belong progress. here, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah that, that, I guess that sense of belonging. Yeah. And uh, to just kind of learn that it's baseball, you know, it's, it's maybe they're all, they might be all grown men now, you know, you're used to playing with guys your age, but it's a whole different level, and, and everybody up there is really good, but you just kind of learn, learn that you belong. Astros outfielder Jake Myers. Jake, thank you very much for the time. Absolutely. Let's go watch some football. Let's do it. All Let's right. do it. Cool. And with that, we have run out of show here on the Hooks Baseball Podcast. A big thanks to our guests, catcher Colton Shaver, outfielder Jake Myers, and shortstop Jeremy Pena. 
We certainly hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please subscribe to the Hooks Baseball Podcast at your favorite uh, podcast outlet. Look forward to seeing you next week. For all of us at 734 Eastport Avenue, this is Michael Coffin saying good day.